you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now, here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi, and hello, football fans. It's your old pal, Dave, Dave Damashek. Hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes, Stitcher, and at nfl.com slash Sheck. Yes, Black Tie and I are back from a glorious excursion to Canton, Ohio. I stole away after the proceedings there, the gold jackets and catching up with the likes of Mike Ditka. We sat down with Mike Ditka, Steve Largent, Bruce Smith, Sam Huff, Gail Sayers. Oh, it was just a, you know, I congratulated Mean Joe Green on having his number 75 retired by the Pittsburgh Steelers on the day that it happened. That's pretty fun for a uh, for a football fan like me. Oh, it's always a gay time and uh and like I say then I stole away to the banks of the Three Rivers to catch up with uh old Mo and the rest of the family. That was great stuff and I consumed uh about uh I think 27 pieces of my favorite pizza, Minio's pizza while I was in Pittsburgh. So really all the way around it was uh it was a wonderful time. Anywho, coming up in just a second here, we're going to be talking with uh one of the new members of the Detroit Lions. Golden Tate, he wears a ring on his finger these days. So we'll get you that in just a second here. Black tie behind the glass. Oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? I didn't I didn't start the show off right here, Black tie. Wait, we're not in you may notice the audio quality is a little bit better than it's been over the last month. That's because we are in people. We are now after a little delay in studio 4. Our new home is finished or it's our old home, but renovated. We are now in Studio 66, maximum strength! Or just new Studio 66. Black Tie, why must you steal my thunder? I want lightning bolts when I say that. I want to hear thunderclaps when I say... Now, I'm going to try it again. I want thunderclaps, and I want you to put them in here. Studio 66, maximum strength! 
the NFL game is not played in Studio 66. Thank you, Steve Smith. Uh, that's good to hear from you. He's checking in from uh, from Baltimore, apparently. All right, so we're going to hear from Golden Tate. Maybe Black Tie. Uh, we'll see if we should play because we, like I said, we talked to a number of Hall of Famers. How about we do two former Seahawks, Golden Tate and then Steve Largent? Oh, Black Tie. That's what I call producing. Well That's what done. I'm here for, guys. All right, great stuff there. And, uh, yeah, you had a good time in uh, Canton Black Tie? Fun times. I do I do think you chickened out, though, and didn't jump in the pool in response to Daniel Jeremiah's, you know, cannonball in the Jaguars stadium. That's you should true. have done. I was petrified. Yeah, was we, had a, pool, we had a pool there, there with us, and I was like, Shaq, come on, respond or to maybe I would, Or maybe I just wanted to go to uh, a place and have food and uh, a couple of beers instead of having the – Go change my clothes back at a hotel. Either listen, we don't have time for this. Live life, we have Golden Tate coming up here, seated right next to me. I guess it's our first ever in studio guest in Studio Sixty Six. Maximum strength. I want those. I want those thunderclaps every single time. Here he is. You're going to be seeing his face quite a bit in the coming weeks and months. On NFL Fantasy Live, you can also read his work at NFL.com. He is uh, a fantasy guru and he's a pro football expert. To boot, it's Marcus Grant. What's the poop, fella? Uh, I'm, you know, I feel like you guys should have done some sort of extreme home makeover, like move the bus out of the way to reveal the new Studio 66. This place is it's high tech in here. I man. know. Well, the video isn't up and running yet, so that explains why we aren't really doing anything too fancy to launch it. But we do have some good stuff uh, planned for you, like I say, not just in the coming days, but all through the season. We're going to do some grand stuff out of here. Anywho, fantasy football's heating up. The drafts are coming, uh, you know, are, are really starting to come together quite a bit here. And let's start it off, though, right now, Black Tie. Let's cover the news old school style. Just because it's Studio 66 doesn't mean we still can't lean on the classics. That's right, everybody. It's time for The Blacklist. The Blacklist. Black Tie reads current events. The Blacklist. Damn it, Sheck and Rank if they're coming. The Blacklist. The Blacklist. All right, guys, let's, let's start this off with Andy Dalton. Got a new contract on Monday this week. He had a six-year, $150 million deal, obviously, with the language NFL contracts. It's not really that much, but he got paid. You know, we can agree he got paid. What's your take on that? Did he deserve that money? And then you look at a guy like Alex Smith. Who would you rather pay more, him or Alex Smith? Well, it's funny. The first thing that occurs to me, and I saw this break on Monday morning, this news, and Twitter, you know, and myself included in this, went crazy. What are the Bengals thinking? And, you know, I guess I'm partly responsible for this, but I don't really consider myself a journalist in any way. You know, I I like to recklessly speculate. I don't have sources (laughs) and I don't do research. I use my gut and that served me well, Marcus G, over the years. But the people who are held to a higher standard of reporting, when you just float that out without, uh, without sort of parsing through the language in the contract and the numbers, you do get the sense that they're now on the hook for $20 million annually, at least for, you would think, three or four years. Then you start to go through it, and over the last 24 hours, 48 hours, we've come to realize – Oh, that's not the case at all. Of course, it's it's play it's uh, team friendly. It's thirty six million over three years, perfectly manageable. Which is amazing that everybody gets so breathless over these contracts. We have seen NFL contracts for how many years now, and know that the number that gets floated out there is never the number the guy actually gets paid. I mean, it is. 
I wonder the last time a player actually got every single dollar that was in his <laughs> That's NFL a great contract. question. That's I a, really want to know when that happened. I want to hear the answer to that question, as a matter of fact. That's excellent. <laughs> Did Has any NFL player ever signed a long-term <laughs> deal and made every every uh, nickel that he possibly could right. out of that deal? So, you know, I, I think when it breaks down, it's something like Dalton will get $25 million over the first two years, and then the Bengals can reevaluate what they do with him after that. That seems a little more realistic in, in this day and age. I mean, look, there aren't. We've seen that there aren't 32 game-ready starting NFL quarterbacks in this league. There isn't one for every team. And Andy Dalton, for all his flaws, is certainly one of the the top half of the, the guys in oh, this league. Oh no, 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 no! You don't That's, think so? No, I do not. You wow. think he's a? You think he's one of the 16 best quarterbacks in the NFL? That's yeah, what you're I saying. Mean, I, I, I do think he's one of the 16 best in the NFL. I mean, look, you have a 16 guys. Yes, Andy Dalton is one of the 16 best guys. Now, now you're be, making me do it, and I hate be, to get into this, but now I have to do it. He's the bottom of that 16, no. but he's in the 16. No, he's well, at, let's do it. Let's roll it he's off. He's near the top. He's, I don't even know if he's in the top of the second 16. <laughs> All right, here we go. Now you make me do this. Real we do, 16. We have to do this go. about every six to eight weeks, but now I have to do it again. The All last right. time we did this was the wide receiver quarterback duos. All right, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, that, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew. Drew Brees, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson. This is in no particular order, I'm guessing, no. right? Well, it's okay. a pretty close uh, to the How correct, many do you have, uh, a seven? R- Russell Wilson, Colin Kaepernick. Um, I would, uh, I would, wouldn't you take Matt Stafford over him? Okay. Matt Stafford, would you take Jay Cutler ahead of him? All right. Oh, good. Black guys. <laughs> He's got the sound. Go back. ahead. I know now you're trying to debunk your own points, uh, your, uh, so you don't want to participate. No, this, no. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. You're, you're putting together your list. I'm waiting on you. I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, who, who do I have? Right, Help me out here, Matt Black Ryan. guy. Oh, Joe okay, Flacco. I would definitely Ooh, take Flacco so now, over Dalton. I don't know. I, I don't oh, come know. On. Come on. Look, here's the assi- here's, Joe here's Flacco what, let me had just say a something. great month. No, but let me just say something to you about this. Here is what my assumption is on how the Bengals calculated this. The Brain Trust did it this way. Is, well, look what happened with Joe Flacco. They, the Ravens waited on him for a year. They let him hang in the last year of his contract, and then they got burned for it, you know, I mean, more or less, because then they were on the hook for a much bigger payday for the guy. And now it really has, as I always say, compromised the overall depth of that Ravens team. So the Bengals probably being optimistic, saying, all right, we're going to have a good year here. If Dalton delivers, we're going to have to pay him much more. I think that is flawed thinking. Because the one thing that Flacco does have is a rifle. I mean, he's got the he's he's got a top five or six arm in the NFL. Agreed. Andy Dalton doesn't have that. Bill Barnwell articulated it great. The you know terrific writer at Grantland, who by the way, Black Tie, we still have to get on the show. He's I, I I've spoken with him and he's down to do it. We just gotta um, reel him in. But you know he makes the point that he is statistically by those advanced metrics the worst QB under pressure, that's kind of a problem in the NFL if you can't deliver when there is a a pass rush in your face a little bit there. Plus, his skill set just doesn't lend itself to what the Bengals have going. Imagine... I just did. I just and by I'm the way, waiting for you to get to sixteen. By the way, without three, I'm getting to it. Dalton. Three weeks from now, let me just say something to you. Three weeks from now, it, when the, it's about time for the kickoff, there will be a brand new NFL to debut the season. It surround it uh, is all around the NFL kickoff game in Seattle with the Packers coming up here. It's all around that, and I also touch in that one. 
on the fact that, you know, Mike Brown wanted Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. Jay Gruden was the coordinator at the time. He convinced Brown that Dalton was a better fit for the system that he was running, which is then ironic that now he has RG3, which is much more (laughs) of a guy who's going to run around and has has that skill set, the big arm and everything else. You think about Colin Kaepernick on that Bengals team, how much better they would be. Running with Gio Bernard behind him, slant, you know, that, that, that one-two punch in the backfield. And more importantly, really, the ability to throw it, uh, you know, 97 yards on a rope to A.J. Green. That would really benefit them. All right, so all right, who do we so, – so Joe Flacco, did we count Jay Cutler or not? Yes, yes we, we did. It's really 11. So Jay Cutler, this is easy. I'm not even – I, I haven't even broken a sweat yet here. RG3, 12. All right, RG3. I know everybody's holding out on him, but he's going to have a good Tony year. Romo. Okay. Romo, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, hmm. This with we I can't believe uh, I'm stumbling over this. Oh, Cam, just, Cam Newton. We that's because oh yeah, Cam. Newton. <laughs> I haven't I haven't opened my computer yet. If I just would open a computer, it would be it would be very. Eli Manning. Yeah, you got now. Come on. Okay, are, 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 are we basing this on the length of a career? Or are we are, are where they are right now? Because Eli Manning last year was awful. Do you think Eli Manning, head to head with Andy Dalton, would lose a competition? Right now, I mean, we looked at Eli last year's Eli Manning. Last year's Eli Manning, yes, hmm. would have lost All the right. competition. Okay, we can circle so him. So we're we can either put him in fourteen and fifteen. So I'm going to go ahead and say Philip Rivers. What about Ryan Tannehill? Wouldn't you rather have Tannehill? No, I think I think Tannehill is kind of like where I think as NFL ETL podcast, the AD skill is just before Ryan Tannehill. You don't I think, think he's what the about guy. Mike Vick? But I do understand, though, that he oh, does have that potential for big plays. So I will take a big play guy over a okay Nick Foles, guy. Andrew, Matt Ryan. Andrew Luck. He, I don't think we put Andrew Luck I, in there. I, I, okay. uh, I did put him. but The main one, though, that people have been talking about. I just said Nick Foles about. and Matt Ryan. I mean, yeah. that, that definitely pushes him out Well, the main one, though, Alex Smith, guys. Like, would you, who would you rather have? He's looking for a new contract. Because he's in that same boat there. And for the time being, though, it's remarkable that Andy Dalton makes more money than Ben Roethlisberger does. How do you think he feels about that? That Joe Flacco and Ben Ro- and uh, and uh, two, two of the QBs in his division make more money than he does. Does Andy Dalton have a hamburger named after him? Hmm. I see. I like that. Your glass half full. I'm trying. I like where your head's at. I would rather have Alex Smith. I think that, uh, that that would be a better choice. And as a matter of fact, if you put him in Cincinnati, again, the ability to run. Andy Dalton is so 20th century. He's so static. He's, I mean, he's glued down <laughs> to where he stands in the pocket. You look back at that San Diego playoff game with those backpedaling and flipping the ball in the air. He just looks like a, uh, a scared kid who's completely out of his depth, just throwing the ball up hoping something good happens. I will agree that I would rather have Alex Smith. And this is as a, a, you know, a guy who grew up as a 49er fan and watching Alex Smith from the day they drafted him. Um, he is – I know he's been labeled with that game manager thing, but I think what we saw his last year in San Francisco before he got hurt and, Ka- and Kaepernick took over, even what we saw of him in Kansas City, he's not just a game manager. He's a guy who can make plays. He can win football games for you. We saw him win in the playoffs on a number of occasions. I think that may be the biggest thing there. Andy is that Dalton's played three playoff he's games. He's never won a and playoff been game. been lousy in right. all three. Alex Smith Alec, has won playoff games. Alex Smith was great in that game against the Saints several mm-hmm. years ago. He yes. was great against the Giants in the game that they lost. I mean, he's delivered in the postseason. Of course, he had the great game in Indianapolis. It wasn't his fault. It Somehow that defense didn't show up. All right, Black Tie, next on the blacklist. Yeah, real quick, because we have Golden Tate calling in pretty soon uh more on quarterbacks young quarterbacks this time teddy bridgewater is getting a lot of praise from uh from the 
Vikings training camp. Nerf Turner is saying he's playing at an awfully high level, quote-unquote. Johnny Manziel, on the other hand, we keep hearing day in and day out he's either, you know, taking first-team snaps or not. Both teams are clearly handling their first-round quarterbacks differently. Who's handling it better? So ludicrous. This is the thing we said right after the draft that 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 they that they immediately felt obliged the Browns did to say, well, we'll see if Johnny can beat out uh, the incumbent Brian Hoyer. How ludicrous is that? Who is the charade for? Is it try to make to make Johnny football feel like he has to earn something? Do you think he's that naive that he doesn't have a sense? Listen, Browns fans, if Johnny Football doesn't win the competition, then that's a bad sign for your for your team and the draft pick you just made. If he can't beat out Brian Hoyer, who has started, who's played about uh, about 150 minutes worth of pro football, if he doesn't win it, of course this is the way you do it in the 21st century. It's antiquated to say for the Jags to bench Blake Bortles for a season. That would be ridiculous if he isn't out there, and I predict he'll be out there by October because they will realize this is what you have to do. They need some enthusiasm, some momentum, not just from the fan base, but from your team. Chad Henney doesn't inspire um, enthusiasm, and I don't think Brian Hoyer does either. How say you? I love the idea of Teddy Bridgewater hitting the ground running and throwing the ball. I like what Teddy Bridgewater has, at least in the short term. The fact that he is working in a North Turner offense, and he has some bona fide weapons. He's got Adrian Peterson behind him. He's got Cordero Patterson out to the out wide. I think that will help Kyle him a Rudolph, lot. right? Right. I think that will help him at least in the short term. Long term, I think Manziel is a lot more electric as a playmaker. He can do things when the play breaks down. But if if we're looking at just you know this year, maybe next year, I think Bridgewater will be slightly ahead of Manziel. I listen. I'm excited about Derek Carr. I think the Bengals. Very excited by the way, about Derek Carr. Derek Carr. I here's one prediction I have. The Bengals, by about midway through this season, are going to rue not having drafted Derek Carr when they had a chance at the end of the first round. Dark or Bridgewater. Well, or, yeah, or Bridgewater. We'll see which one emerges there. But, you know, in the cold of Ohio, and that was the knock on Bridgewater. I mean, arm strength. I just love uh, looking at Derek Carr. He had, I mean, and these guys, it is remarkable – you know, you can get cynical about the whole draft process, the combine and the workouts and everything. But think about that Teddy Bridgewater was so productive at Louisville and Derek Carr in a in a smaller market there, very productive as well. And it's all undone. Derek Carr has one bad bowl game against USC <laughs> and Teddy Bridgewater doesn't wear a glove for his pro day and, and doesn't an throw the day. ball away. And they both fell really far. I mean, especially Teddy Bridgewater. So um, on a human justice level, I hope uh, I hope that <laughs> they emerge and play well. Black Tie, what else do we have here? Come on, player. What's that? What's up with that? You're cutting us off? I am cutting you guys off. That's all we got. That's all we have time for. All right. Uh, an abbreviated blacklist, but fun nonetheless. Bla- uh, Marcus Grant, again, uh, give your Marcus G NFL. Marcus G, uh, M-A-R-C-A-S-G on Twitter. Come find me. Oh, just Marcus G. That's yeah. right. Yes, if fantasy insights uh, abound when you tap in, and some mirth as well from Come uh, on, from player. All right, all right. Let's get to him here. Golden Tate. You listen to All right, here he is, everybody. Since last we spoke to him, he got to put a big fancy new ring on his finger as a member of the Seattle Seahawks. Then he moved about two thousand or so miles east. To Detroit, he is now going to uh, be catching passes for Matt Stafford. He's going to be lined up along with Calvin Johnson. Let's talk about all of it right now with at Showtime Tate. It's Golden Tate. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Just uh, preparing for uh, my next day of practice here in a few minutes. And 
excited to get out there and try to try to get better. Well, I mean, listen, first of all, muzzle tub to you. I, I buried the lead there. I didn't say congratulations to you. You got a ring now, and I think it's pretty cool. We talked to Michael Robinson a week or two ago. Neat stuff that the franchise got you guys your rings in advance of the season starting so you don't miss the big ceremony. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe they did. Oh, you didn't get your ring yet? Oh, I got I couldn't hear you. What'd you ask? I said that, that, that I thought it was cool that the Seahawks got you guys your rings in advance of the season starting, so you didn't miss some big ceremony for it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We got them on uh, the twenty second of June, uh, and that was actually I was actually done with my all season program, so I was able to attend that. And it was a very, very nice ceremony. Uh, you know, definitely first class, and you know, it was definitely a championship type of uh, you know night. I thought. Well, I definitely want to talk about uh, the Lions here in just a second and look forward instead of living in the rearview mirror. But real quick, we've been talking with the likes of Michael Robinson and uh, and his style and the 21st century approach that he has, which is to say players coach. You know, you guys in Seattle seemed to be allowed to laugh it up and to show a little bit of personality. It wasn't the button-down operation that you see in some places around the NFL. Is that the way it has to be now to have success in the NFL? Or is there a place for a hard-nosed kind of coach, a 20th century kind uh, of guy? You know, after being, you know, I'm on year five, um, and, and, you know, that's the only thing I really knew up until just recently and joining uh, Coach Caldwell. But, yeah, I, I think in this in this shot, we definitely want to have some personality. Um, I, I think guys want to play for a player's coach who's going to accept who they are as a person. And, you know, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a, a personality on and, on and off the field, especially if you're playing within the rules. I think once you start violating the rules and drawing negative, negative attention to yourself and the team, I think then there's a problem. But, you know, guys like Richard Sherman, I have no problem with him, you know, being who he is out in Seattle. You know, that's just who he is. And, you know he plays the game the right way. Uh, he plays he plays very hard. Uh, he doesn't get penalized, and you know he gets you know he gets into other guys' heads. And you know once you do that, I feel like it's game over. So I have no problem with you know having a personality. And I think that's you know how I, I think that's a great dynamic of a team. You know, you bring up an interesting thought. What if the Lions go to the playoffs this year, and you have to play the Seahawks, and Richard Sherman matches up against you? Would he talk stuff to you? I'm, I'm sure Richard would, uh, you know, but it's it's. I don't know how that would work. You know how that would work <laughs> out because you know I played with him, uh, played against him in college, and we became such good friends that I, I'm not even sure how serious it could be. I, I think I'd be out there laughing if he was talking to me. I, mean, I think he'd be doing the same thing. But uh, you know, it, it'd be a fun game. You know, I, I definitely I know Sherman would bring his best. I would bring my best. But the, as far as the crap talking, I don't think it would get to either one of us just because we know how. You know, I know him as a person outside of football and how goofy he is. You know how goofy I am. <laughs> Boy, that would really be fun, though. Now that's something for me to root for. I want to see that matchup just to, to see how that all goes down. Speaking of that, though, I talked to Brian Erlacher right after he retired a year ago, and I said, would you be bummed out if the Bears won the Super Bowl without you? If for whatever reason the Lions don't make it to the postseason and the Seahawks too, do you think you'd root for the, for Seattle to win it all? Or would you be like, don't win it without me? Uh, I, I think it'd be a, a little bit of both. I, I guess I kind of envy it a little bit if you know if, if we weren't in the playoffs and they were going back to the Super Bowl. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I'm a Seattle fan. I'm definitely going to root, root for Seattle. You know, when they're not playing us, and you know, I still have a lot of ties to the city. Uh, you know, uh, the, the team, people in the organization. So uh, you know, I, I'm not. You know, now that I'm gone, I'm just not 
anti-Seattle. So, yeah, I, I definitely root for those guys. Um, well, one thing you get to definitely upgrade, the uniforms. These are better uniforms in Detroit, I think. I feel like, uh, what is it? What do they call it? Honolulu blue, I think is what they call yeah. that shade of blue you wear. That's better than what you were yeah, wearing in they Seattle. They Honolulu blue. Yeah, you feel good about that. Well, here's more to feel good about. Um, one of our favorite guys here at the NFL, Daniel Jeremiah, was just up in Detroit, and he forecasts after getting a look at you. He says, big season in store for Golden Tate. How are you feeling right now? Like we say, you know, of course, uh, you have the Super Bowl ring. That's uh, that's tough to beat. But what do you what do you think of as you're approaching kickoff here in 2014 with Matt Stafford, Calvin Johnson, and the rest? Oh, well, first first and foremost, I'm trying to protect myself and make sure I can, you know, I get to the season opener and, 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 and through this season healthy, first and foremost. Um, you know, but outside of that, I'm just where I'm working hard every day and I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to lead by example, uh, you know, trying to bring a winning attitude to this organization because I really do believe it's time for us to win and I think it's time for us to win now. Um, you know, we have great players and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm expecting a big year out of myself, just like I do every year. Uh, you know, I'm trying to be a little bit better than next year or than last year, and 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 next year I'm trying to be a little bit better than this year. So that's just my mentality. Um, you know, but uh, I'm just, I'm just trying to learn the learn the off off offense as fast as I can and, and and be comfortable in it. I feel like I know the plays, but now I need to understand the details of the plays. But I just I'm just every day I'm trying to get a little bit better, trying to understand a little a little bit more about this league and, and this organization. I think. Uh, you know, like like you said, I'm expecting a big season out of myself, um, you know, and we'll see how it goes. Well, how big, though? Because we've talked before about you're a fantasy football player, and I always love that you draft yourself in the first round. I think that's a cool move. Will that be the case in 2014? Well, I, I don't necessarily draft myself in the first round, but I usually do draft myself at some point. I wouldn't say it's the uh, first round, but you know, I'm very confident in myself, but, I, you know, I'm still – I want to win, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know we'll, we'll see. You know, uh, I think a big year for me would would first and foremost be uh, you know the the Lions having a winning record going into the postseason. I think that's you know that's part of it. Uh, you know, I don't. You know, I'm not looking for. I'm not looking to go. You know, have 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, and not go to the postseason. You know, so if the, I feel like if, uh, if our team is doing well, then I can't help but to do well also. So uh, you know, I definitely think I bring something to the, to this offense. So. You know, winning games is first and foremost, but, uh, you know, I'm expecting, you know, some decent numbers, especially, you know, in the past uh, with, with Steph and how he likes to air the ball out. And I think he's thrown for, you know, I think two years he's thrown for 5,000 yards uh, in a season. So that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's outstanding. So, um, you know, I'm just – I'm going to do whatever I can to, to help this city uh, and this team win. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think I need to do anything extraordinary. I think I just need to do my job because we do have a lot of – great pieces to this organization yeah man it's real I mean you talk about uh, what Stafford's done and it's not just from a fantasy perspective but also in real football to me this offense looks just about unstoppable Joyke Bell and Reggie Bush you now Eric Ebron who to me seems like a a Vernon Davis 2.0 and then of course Calvin Johnson some big numbers in store you mentioned though 
that, uh, you know, you're trying to lead by example. Obviously, you've been through it and uh, got to the top of the mountain. Has Coach Caldwell, has anybody there said, hey, take some of these young guys under your under your wing or tell Indomitian Sue, for that matter, or anyone else what it's like to win and what it takes to win? Are you looked at by the coaching staff as somebody to, to do that with the with your fellow players? Um, I, I, I think so. I mean, no one's put me on the spot to, you know, take, take this guy under your wing because, of, you know, he's having problems or whatever the case is, um, you know, but – I'm always here to, to help any young guy I can. I know what it's like to be young, and there's a lot of things you got to worry about as a, as a young player trying to figure out the game and, and the offense or defense and then the game within the game and the speed. And, so anytime I can provide some, some, some small tips, I will. Um, I'm, I'm, I try to be very unselfish when it comes to that because I want everyone to succeed in this league, especially on this team. But, uh, you know, uh, our young guys are coming along just nicely, especially Eric uh, Ebron. He's he's doing a fantastic job handling all that they're throwing at him. Especially, you know, I know he, I'm, I'm sure he's feeling a lot of pressure being a first rounder and you know being thrown into the fire. But he's you know he's learning as quick as he can, and I think he's growing up every day. But uh, you know, listen, I got to go to practice here in, in about 25 minutes. I need to get up out of here. We don't want to hold you up. Uh, go get them. Stay healthy um, through the preseason into into the regular season. Go get them in Detroit this season, man. Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, and good luck to your Irish as well. Absolutely. He's a nice fella. Everything's abbreviated, though, today, Black Tie. He cut me off, too. Come on, player. I don't need you keep throwing that in my face. All right, listen. So Golden Tate is off to practice. A man who doesn't have to practice because he's already in the clubhouse having a figurative beer because his career has already ended some time ago as uh, as a Hall of Famer. He has the gold jacket. From Golden Tate, let's go to a gold jacket from the Seattle Seahawks. We caught up with him over in Canton a couple days ago. Here he is, everybody, Steve Largen. All right, Seattle fans, you're the reigning champions of the world. And to boot, look who I'm sitting next to right <laughs> now, one of the greatest Seattle Seahawks, nay, one of the greatest professional football players of all time, Steve Largent, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you, Dan. What a pleasure. Let's talk about this right now. 2014, I may, as you may have heard, the Seahawks won the Lombardi Trophy back in early February. You're kidding. Yeah, no, it, it happened. Really? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. They, they really handled the Denver Broncos. The question now I is, thought the score, by the way, was too close. Did you think yes, so? Yeah, yeah, a little close. Yeah, th- they didn't embarrass the opponent <laughs> nearly enough. Yeah, I think you have some lingering uh, feelings yes, about that. Uh, yes, when we playing the same division. The early days yeah. of the Seattle Seahawks, that first season or two, didn't go uh, that great. Although, better than it went for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers well, in 76. Either way, 2014, let's talk about the prospects for the Seattle Seahawks and what you anticipate for them. Of course, they're still pretty loaded and most of the team is back from last year. Well, that's what I was going to say. Uh, unlike, say, the Baltimore Ravens when they won the Super Bowl, they ended up losing a lot of players. They had older players to begin with uh, than the Seahawks did. The Seahawks aren't that way. The Seahawks have a lot of players still under contract from the team bef- uh, that they just won the Super Bowl with, and I think they're going to be a threat again this year. And I, you know, maybe people would say, well, of course, Largent's going to say that he's from Seattle, blah blah blah. But I, I really mean it. I, I think they, I think they really have a chance to go back to the the Super Bowl again. Now, a lot of the game that you play today, uh, you know, luck is a big part of it. Uh, being prepared, um, <clears throat> not getting key players injured at key times in the season, uh, particularly the last half of the season. So, you know, they have to avoid a lot of those things. But uh, 
you know, they, they're bringing back almost the same team that won the game handily last year. Uh, so I, I'm really optimistic. If they do not return to the Super Bowl, what team out there in the NFC is the one that replaces them? Is it still the 49ers, or might it be those Cardinals or Rams? Or do you look at the NFC North? It seems the Bears and Packers are on the rise. Who scares you the most? Uh, well, San Francisco always scares me because they're in the same division that we're in. And uh, they, they uh, if, if, if you would have taken out the first four games that the 49ers played last year, which they didn't, I think they were one and three or something, uh, they would have had a better record than the Seahawks did. Uh, they're, they're a very good team. Uh, they're a lot like the Seahawks in that their team is young. Uh, they're aggressive. They play good defense, and that's what the Seahawks the game is built around. Uh, so they have a very good team, and they've, they've added. I've been watching what they've done this offseason as well, and they've added some really good players too. So uh, I think the 49ers are going to yeah, – you have to keep your eye on the 49ers for sure. Um, you know the Packers. I'm, I, you know, I love their quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is a, a great quarterback. He's a tactician. He's a competitor. He's got a great arm. He moves around really well. Uh, if they can shore up their defense, which really um, hurt them last year, uh, that they could be competitive as, uh, this year as well. Um, you know, in the AFC, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe Denver gets back into the game. I don't know if they will or not. Uh, but you know, the Indianapolis Colts uh, were right there at the end of the season, and I really like their quarterback too. I think Luck is a is a good quarterback. He's he'll be in his fourth year, I think, this year, and uh, and, and I, I look for great things from him. Yeah, I think he's going to explode now that he's got uh, a couple extra options there in the passing game. It occurs to me that maybe Pete Carroll and this title for Seattle has has brought about a sea change. um, Or maybe he's riding the wave, in fact, of 21st century mentality that it requires to coach professional athletes. I don't know that the Vince Lombardi, Bob Knight method would resonate with players anymore. Pete Carroll is such a player-friendly coach. Let's make this fun. Is that something that we're going to see more and more as we wear on here over the next decade or so, or do you think there's still a place for the hard nose, get in your face, and uh, you know, intimidate you, essentially, into success? Well, Dan, we, we didn't talk about this question that you just asked me, but I think you've put your finger exactly on the pulse of what's going on in Seattle and, in fact, going on in, in the entire league. You cannot coach current players the way that I was coached or the older players were coached. Uh, it's a different league. Uh, even training camp's different. I mean, they have two days of training camp, then they have a day off. I mean, whoever does that, and two a days is like, you know, uh, T-shirts and shorts and, and I go through a walkthrough and then you practice for an hour in the afternoon. That's a two-a-day. Uh, well, that wasn't the way it was when I played. It was two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon, and then you had meetings after that, and uh, you didn't ever have a day off. So uh, it, it is a different league, and it, ta- it requires a different mentality, a different approach from a coaching staff. And I do think Pete uh, Carroll is, is on top of that. And I think maybe it had to do with the fact that he came from college, uh, he came from a successful program, and uh, he's just said, hey, it worked for me at SC. I'm, play- I'm coaching the same players I had at SC now, uh, and I'm going to uh, adopt this in Seattle. And I think the players really have taken, uh, taken to it, and I think you're going to see it spread around the league uh, because you, you cannot grind players in training camp anymore. You can't grind them throughout the year. Uh, it's a long season. Uh, you got to have healthy players at that, the last four games of the season and then into the playoffs. Uh, it's not as important the first 12 games just as long as you're in the hunt, but you've got to have your guys healthy those last four games and then into the playoffs. 
and Pete's done a really great job of, of having his team ready to play every day, every game, and, uh, and, and he does have a different attitude. But I think you've really put your finger on the pulse of, of exactly what uh, Pete Carroll's doing that's different, certainly from when I played, uh, but different even from other teams in the league today. Interesting stuff, and also an implied, uh, I'm, I'm going to take the insinuation that uh, Chuck Knox then, that ground Chuck, was not calling his players dude and, uh, and big guy yeah, and yeah. feeding them Skittles. And, and was such. keeping us out there for two hours yeah. and two and a half hours uh, in practice as well. <laughs> Steve, uh, I think unquestionably people hold up Jerry Rice as the greatest wide receiver mm-hmm. of all time. I contend that right now, you can make a case that Calvin Johnson is the second best of all time. If you talk about who the greatest three or four wide receivers are, you would think that there is a deep list of candidates for that. But really, if you dig into that, in my book, it goes Jerry Rice, based on numbers, unquestionably one. Steve Largent, I'm not trying to curry favor with you, (laughs) Steve Largent's in that conversation, Michael Irvin's in it. But it's a pretty big drop-off pretty quick after that first handful of names. Where do you stack Calvin Johnson up? in that group, and, and uh, can you talk a little bit about what you like specifically about Calvin Johnson? Well, I, I game? would tell you, I think Calvin Johnson has the potential. I don't think he's there yet. I think he has the potential to be one of the top three or four receivers in the league history. Uh, he's, he's got the size. He's got the speed. He's intelligent. He works hard at his game. Uh, he stays out of trouble. Uh, he's a leader on the team. He has all the components necessary uh, to, to really put himself uh, in that same c- you know, category as a Jerry Rice, who, in my opinion, is the greatest receiver to play the game to date. Uh, so, and, and Jerry Rice had the same things. I mean, he worked at his game. He didn't screw around. He he was serious about it. Uh, you know, he didn't play for money. He was playing to win, and he won a lot. Uh, and Calvin Johnson, to me, um, emulates a lot of the same qualities that I saw in Jerry Rice. And I would say, again, I, I'm always throwing Larry Fitzgerald in there, He's the same kind of guy. Uh, he hadn't has a, had as much success as a team as Calvin Johnson has the last couple of years, uh, but he doesn't have the same kind of quarterback either. And so that, that has impaired his career a little bit. But I see those guys in, in uh, comparable roles. Uh, they both uh, are, are outstanding athletes, uh, and they really work to, to be the best. Uh, and so I think, you know, if I were pointing my son, hey, play like this guy, uh, those would be two examples that I would use. Uh, and I think both of those guys uh, have the chance to, to rise up to be able to say they're one of the top five receivers in league history over time. All right. Well, back to my original assertion that number two might be Calvin Johnson right now. We can debate that. Who in Steve Largent's book belongs at number two? And don't be shy. Don't feel like you have to be modest here. If you're number two in your book, on the, in the list of the great wide receivers in history, feel free to put your name there. Well, you know, the guy that I'd, I'd love to watch, there's two guys, and they're both in the Hall of Fame. Uh, one's Freddie Bolitnikoff. We played mm-hmm. against the Raiders while Fred was finishing his career. And I just, he was such a technician uh, and such a competitor. Uh, and so I love to watch him play. Uh, he always caught the ball. Uh, he ran great routes and uh, had a special rapport with his quarterback. And those are all things that you have to have to be a really good quarterback. So I'd say Freddie. But then the guy that really had the flair, the pizzazz, uh, he was on a great team, was Lynn Swan. Uh, now, Lenny didn't catch a lot of passes. He didn't catch a lot of touchdowns over his career. But if you needed the catch, if you needed the touchdown, Lynn Swan was the guy who was going to get it for you. 
And so I, I, I think, you know, uh, the great receiver is the guy that can combine both qualities uh, of uh, Fred Bolitnikoff and Lynn Swan. And that, to me, is what Jerry Rice did. Uh, well said. I thought you were going to say Steve Largent because you did, in fact, combine the best of Fred Bolitnikoff in terms of big production and spectacular, about as uh, spectacular a pass catcher as the NFL's well, ever thank seen. You. you, Lynn Swan, John Jefferson, and JJ. I'll put oh yeah I'll put yeah, yeah I'll put uh, I'll put Larry Fitzgerald in there he yeah. makes he's made some good ones over the years who Steve Largent is the most handsome Hall of Famer you were once <laughs> made named by People Magazine one of its sexiest people on the face of the earth who is perhaps the most handsome Hall of Famer well that's a good question mm-hmm. I'd have to think about that one for a while take your time <laughs> um, you know. I'd probably have to stick with the wide receivers because they're always the most handsome players on the field. I, I think Lynn Swan does a pretty good job. Oh. He's a pretty dapper guy. Yes, he from, was. from SC. Yes. And uh, graceful. Yes. Yeah, very graceful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the wrong. I've answer, never, though. I've never been, I've never been asked that question, so I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it. I think the correct answer is Frank Gifford. Frank Gifford. Oh, yes. what a handsome devil yeah. he was uh, when he was uh, wearing the number 16 no for those New York Giants. What do you like better, the Kingdome? How loud was the Kingdome compared to the much ballyhooed um, and, you know, clearly and deservedly so feared clink? No one wins in the clink outside of the Arizona Cardinals in late 2013. Well, how tough was the Kingdome to come into and win again? Well, you know, I, I honestly thought there was no place louder to play than the Kingdome. Uh, and that's when they first started keeping record of how loud it was in the kingdom. But I will tell you, the fans in Seattle have found a way to uh, raise their game. Uh, and the, 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 king, the, the, the place they play now, is, it's not encased, so it's not a mm-hmm. dome. And uh, they still have a very, very boisterous uh, stadium to play in. So I, I, I would say the Seahawks have the, the best home field advantage, if you will, in, in the fans and the support that they have in Seattle. Real quick, what are your memories from that uh, famous Monday night game when Bo Jackson steamrolls Brian Bosworth at the goal line and also snaps off, what was it, a 90-yard? Yes. I think untouched, uh, just yes. ran off. Left I, I remember that very clearly. I was standing right on the sideline watching the play develop. I saw Bo Jackson come around to his left, uh, our defense is right, and all I can remember is, is Brian Bosworth chasing Bo Jackson uh, into the end zone. And uh, Bo was running so fast, he went into the tunnel, uh, and he disappeared. And uh, he eventually came back out, but had a 90-some yard uh, touchdown at our expense. And uh, I think we ended up losing that game, too. So it was a miserable game all the way around. Uh, but Bo Jackson was an incredible athlete and a great running back. Well, Seattle Seahawks fans have a lot to be excited about, but of course I'm sure Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch and Richard Sherman would get big cheers, but this guy I'm sure still would get uh, about as big a cheer as anybody in, uh, in the clink there. Thanks for the time, Steve. Well, Blanchett. thank you. Thank you. Ah, good stuff. So Steve Largent, swell fella, he is a handsome devil. He seems too humble to have named himself, but he definitely belongs in, I think, in the top 10 or so 
most handsome Hall of Famers. Anywho, we'll see how he's his uh, 2014 Seattle Seahawks do. Cool stuff that he's going to be back there to raise the uh, the 12th man flag. That is a uh, a cool tradition they have in uh, in certainly the loudest stadium in all the NFL. So good times lay ahead for large and for uh, well, I was going to say Golden Tate, but uh, he's now over in Detroit. But like I said to him. I think big big things are in store for him and that Detroit Lions offense. Certainly from a fantasy perspective, we'll see if the uh, defense holds up its end of the bargain in the rugged NFC North. All right, Black Tie, a successful first uh, mission here from uh, Studio 66, Maximum Strength. We'll be back with another podcast for you later in the week. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.